16. Acts 16. We're preaching through the book of Acts, and we're, I think this is Sermon 62. We're in Acts chapter 16. We're flying through. Um, okay, he, here we are. It says 1 through 10, but I've shortened the, um, I've, I've actually shortened the text, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Okay, let's take off the coat. Okay, right. Acts 16, verse 1. Hear the perfect word of our perfect God. Paul came also to Derbe, to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were with him in those parts, for they knew his father was a Greek. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they were increasing in number daily. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. After they came to Mysia, they were trying to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, what a glorious God you are. How good you are. We thank you for the good gifts of the word and the sacrament. I I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have mercy upon me as your herald, and that you would cast away from my mind, from my lips, my own words, certainly any sin, anything which is contrary to your word, that the words of my lips, the meditation of my heart, would be acceptable in conformity with the word, and all of us, O God, would have the ears to hear and eyes to see our need of Christ and the beauty of Christ and the benefits of Christ. May you increase, Lord Jesus, in our lives, and may we decrease. In Christ's name, amen. I read to verse 10, um, I intended, this is a common thing, I pick a portion of scripture, I start to work through it, I have a couple of phases that I, my construction phase, my perfection phase, it's just a crazy thing. And then in my construction phase, in my sermon, which takes me a while, I thought, whoa, this is way too much. I mean, I have preached a 10 hour sermon, but I, I read to verse 10, because I wanted, to, I wanted to show a continuity of theme that runs actually clear through, I think it runs through the Bible, but it clearly runs through Acts chapter 16, a continuity of uh, theme. My intention is mainly to unpack verses 1, 2, and 3, mainly, mainly. If I have, if, if I have time, maybe 4 and 5, but mainly uh, 1 through 3, the calling of Timothy. But I want to see it first, generally, in the larger conte- context of that the continu- continuity of theme that we see. This particular passage, if you know your Bible, we're preaching through Acts. Acts chapter 15 is known as the Jerusalem Council uh, section of Scripture. There's a church synod, an ecclesiastical meeting of apostles and elders, and they're discussing what the gospel is. Is it faith in Christ alone, or is it faith in Christ plus circumcision plus obedience to the law? And the the council concludes it's faith, and we're justified by faith alone in Christ alone, not our good works. 
which are considered filthy deeds. We should do good works as responsive to the grace of God in our life, but they're not meritorious unto. That's uh, Acts chapter 15. This particular chapter, it may even say it in your Bibles, this is called the Macedonian Call passage. And actually, the Macedonian Call passage picks up at verse 6 to the end of, church, uh, the, end of the chapter in, in 40. There's going to be, we'll probably have, I don't know, three, four, three, four sermons from, chapter, from verse 6 to, to 40. It's, it's, it starts off wonderfully, and then it ends up kind of rocky for, for the guys. But we're, in this, what we have is the Apostle Paul gets a dream, or vision, uh, or vision in a dream, of a man from Macedonia who says, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come preach the gospel of salvation. So an unbeliever in the dream comes to the apostle who is a herald of the Lord Jesus and he says, come tell us about Christ. And the, and the, the word good news in Greek is euangelion. And it's, that high, it's, the, it's a compound word, good words. It's the good words about Christ. That Christ will take sinners and reconcile us back to God the Father through his cross. Now, the theme, the continuity of theme that I really want to consider first, before we look at any particulars, as I read through that passage, uh, there, are, there are three subsections in that passage I read. The first one is this. In 1 to 3, the Apostle Paul acquires a, a new co-laborer in the ministry of the Word. And then verses 4 and 5, Paul and his fellow ministers of the word, they go back to the churches that have been previously established in, in the Galatian region, and they're building them up with the Bible. Earlier, they were preaching lengthy sermons to them from the scripture. Then the third section, and I just want to consider generally, it won't be part of the particular body of the sermon, is 6 to 40, as I mentioned. This is the, the Macedonian man who says essentially to Paul, Christ's servant, Come over here and minister the word of God to us. We don't have the word of God. Come bring the word of God. Now, let me ask you a question. If you listen to what I just said, what's the one common theme that runs through each of those three elements that I just ticked off? It's the one common theme. It's the ministry of the word. It's the ministry of the Bible. Now, the Bible says about the Bible that the Bible is the word of God. And it uses a compound, another Greek compound word in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's God breathed. God the Holy Spirit takes the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles and he impresses upon them, he inspires them is the word, with the word of God. They're real human beings, but they are writing down or they're speaking the very word of God. So God does it. Now I didn't always, I wasn't always a Bible-believing Christian, when I became a Bible-believing Christian, other people said, oh, the Bible's filled with lots of errors. It's just written by a bunch of guys out in the desert with too much sun. That's not true, beloved. And if you say the Bible's filled with lots of errors or lots of contradictions, you meet me after church. And you can come in my office and we can play a little game. And I'm going to give you a Bible. And you can show me all the mistakes and all the contradictions. And I know you can't do it. Early on, I thought you might could do it. But now I know you can't. The Bible says about the Bible that it is the perfect word of God. And so the, what I want us to consider right away are just some of the general lessons that we learn by looking at an overview of what we read. And if we have some time, we'll unpack some particulars about uh, uh, Timothy. So these ministers are ministers of the word of God. And when we say the word of God, we mean both the Old Testament's 
in the New Testament. So from Moses to Malachi, and then from Matthew to the book of Revelation, we live in the last epoch of time, New Testament era. And the Apostle John says, not only are we in the last times, we are in the last hour. Jesus Christ says he's coming back. And he says when he comes back, we're going to hear trumpets. He sends the angels. He gathers in the elect. And then we who are alive are caught up to be with Christ. The dead will rise. We're going to be with Christ. We're, we're right there. Now, how long right there is, I don't know. Uh, a thousand years is like one day to God. But that's God's business. So in the epoch in which we live, we live in the epoch of the completed uh, canon of Scripture, the Bible. So the Bible is the word of God. These men are ministering Christ according to the Bible. Do you remember when Christ was, you should, if we're in another church, I would say, who here was raised in a church that they, there was a Bible of some stripe? Raise your hand. But you can't in a Presbyterian because they fire me. So, no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But in your mind, raise your hand. Where was Christ tempted? And who tempted him? The devil tempted him in Matthew chapter 4. And so the devil says, if you are the Christ, he uses a word in Greek, aeon, if or so, so you are the Christ. And he wants, to get, he wants to trip up the second Adam, which is Christ, like he tripped up the first Adam. And then Christ, every time the devil says, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Do you remember what Jesus says every time? It is what? Written. It is written. And then he says, why don't you fall down and, and worship me? And then he says, it is written. You're to only worship the Lord, our, our God. Depart from me. Then Christ says, in that Matthew chapter 4, we as lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ, his children, his disciples, mathetes, learners of, we are to live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Beloved, this to me, this whole, my whole sermon, is Christianity 101. And you may think, well, pastor, you're, gonna, you're not going to tell me anything I don't know. I, I hope I don't tell you anything you don't know. This is Christianity 101. But I'm going to tell you something else. When the Bible comes here and says, Bible Christianity is Christianity after the Bible. I know that's redundant. But we're to, live to, we're to be Bible Christians. Christians are to live on the Bible. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying foolishly, but the Bible is to be our rule and our guide for, for our doctrine, what we believe, and for our duty, for our practice. It's, it's Scripture. We are to say, as believers, according to Scripture, if someone says, you should believe this, or you should do this, our first question should be, not who said it. Is it Bible? Can you show me in the scriptures? Christ says to live on the Bible. These guys are preaching the Bible. The Holy Spirit commends the people of Berea because even when they, the Apostle Paul comes and says, I'm going to preach Christ to you. Jesus is the Christ. You know what they did? That's interesting, Paul. Where's our Bible? Let me get Genesis. Let me get Isaiah. Let me get the suffering servant. Let me get I Isaiah. When Christ is on the cross, he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Where is that in the Bible? In the Old Testament. Psalm 22. Psalm 22. These guys are looking at the Apostle Paul preach Christ going, Yep, Psalm 22. Yep, Isaiah 53. You're okay. Because if you don't preach according to the Bible, what were they going to say? You're gone. The Holy Spirit tells us to test every spirit according to the Bible. The Bible says about itself, which we're learning just principally based on the continuity of theme, ministry of the word, ministry of the word, ministry of the word. The Bible is sufficient to lead us to Christ in all godliness. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. 
It doesn't mean that we don't make use of the great ecumenical creeds. I love, I said the Apostles' Creed my whole life. I said the Nicene Creed my whole life. Glorious. We use the secondary standard of the Westminster Confession of Faith. We don't deny them. But the scripture is our primary guide. If the secondary doesn't match up with the primary, the Bible, we throw the secondary out or we change it. Does that make sense? So it's the Bible is the rule. So what, the, what this text teaches us just generally, again, I'm going to say it. I know it sounds silly. The Christianity of the Bible is Bible-centric. There are lots of different Christian churches. You need a scorecard to keep up with them. I was raised in one particular church, and then I went everywhere. Baptist, Pentecostal, and here I am as a Puritan out of time. You need a scorecard to keep up with all the different Christians. Am I not right? I know I am. Bible. I don't care if Bob Hudson says it. I don't care if Reverend Schmeckenheimen says it. What does the Bible say? We're to live on the Word of God. It's the Christianity according to the Bible. There are lots of different Christian churches that don't really do Bible. So we learn principally Christianity should be Bible-centric. Um, have you ever heard the phrase um, means of grace? Have you ever heard that means of grace? You've heard that. So it's, it's, it is a legitimate phrase. I know sometimes people think, well, it was only Roman Catholics that used it. It's Protestants. We use I'm a Protestant. We use that means of grace. The three great means of grace that God institutes to call in his elect people out of their sin to Christ and then to build us up into Jesus, to conform us into the image of Jesus, practically. Word, sacrament, what's the next one? Prayer. Word, sacrament, and prayer. What this text is teaching us is that the word is primary. And then by application, the, the, the sacraments are secondary. And what I mean by that is this. God primarily and fundamentally uses the ministry of the word. Come to Christ, come to Christ, come to Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes has eternal life. Come to Christ. That's the word. The ministry of the Bible can stand alone, but the sacraments are secondary or or subordinate to the word. Do I mean that they're inferior? I don't use those kind of words regarding Christ's sacraments. But for the right administration of the sacraments, they have to be administered and explained according to the Bible. Bible can stand alone. Sacraments cannot stand alone. If I administered the baptism with no words and you were not raised in a Christian church, in other words, you couldn't fill in the words to the baptism, you would have no idea what happened. If I took you to the land of my wife's birth and you didn't know any Christians and I administered the Lord's Supper, you would have no idea. Because it's the word that helps explain the sacraments. The Bible says that Bible Christianity is, is Bible-centric. Bible is primary. The second thing, sacraments are, are supportive or secondary. I'm going to say this. Beware of a form of Christianity that flips that on its head. They make the sacraments primary and they make the word secondary. Um, Again, it is not the Christianity of Scripture. Listen to this. We're just looking at the general idea that these ministers are ministering the Word. Paul says this to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4. Until I come, give public attention to the reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, preaching the Word. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance 
with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. Pay, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Now listen to this. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, are you ready? You will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those that hear you. Beloved, this business of the administration of the sacrament, the ministry of the word, these things are administered here and now. Bible Christianity is not fundamentally a this worldly religion. I know you can turn on the television and some guy could tell you, believe in Jesus, you'd be fabulously healthy, fabulously wealthy. They're not looking at the Bible. And, and that Jesus came to make you fabulously happy here in this life. I'm going to tell you something. They're not telling you the truth. Jesus says, where I am, there you will be what? Also, set your mind on things above and not so much on things below. I'm not saying that we go hold up in a commune somewhere and we wait to die and go to be with, with Christ in heaven. However, fundamentally we are saved, not for this little blip of time, but for salvation with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in the worship of God in heaven. Time without end. Your salvation. But he tells Timothy this, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who has judged the living and the dead, and by his appearing, are you ready? Preach the word. So if you go to a church and the minister's trying to unpack the Bible, don't go... I want to hear about my best life now or what about Kung Fu class or weightlifting. I'm out of here. No. Keep praying for that guy because he's doing what? He's doing what he's told to do. Listen to what the Bible says. For the time will come. This is God the Holy Spirit inspires the Apostle Paul to tell Pastor Timothy, a time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. I want to hear the Bible. They want to have their ears tickled. Tell me what I want to hear. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. They'll turn away their ears from the truth. They'll turn aside to myths. Then he says, be sober, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. We learn the ministry ministry of Christ is is Bible-centric. The second thing that we learn, just generally, that's going on here, is the guys are going around ministering the Bible. And Paul says to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, I didn't hold back anything from the scripture. I told you from cover to cover. So these ministers are called by Christ to be faithful to the whole Bible. Now I'm going to ask people who, if you've ever read the Bible, I mean cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, raise your hand in your head. If you've read it, haven't you hit a place in the Bible that you're going like this? Who? What in the world? What's that one? I mean, for me, the first time I ever read the Bible cover to cover, I got to Leviticus and I thought, Katie, bar the door. What's all the killing going on? What's all the blood? What's all this? And it wasn't until I understood really the gospel of gospel and the book of Hebrews in particular that I understood the book of Leviticus. But as Bible readers, aren't there things in the scriptures that you like better than other things? Remember Jephthah's rash vow? I can't say I hate that passage, but boy, howdy, it hurts my feelings. He makes that stupid vow and then his daughter and I don't know what it means. There, there are things in the Bible where like, I like that one. Early on in my Bible reading, when I was 26 is when I started reading the Bible, God would say to the children of Israel in the Old Testament, see those Hittites over there? I want you to go over there and I want you to take them off the planet. I would read that and go, 
I thought God was a God of love, and I don't know how this works. I didn't even like to read it. God is a God of love, but he's also a holy God and a God of justice. I could preach a sermon on that, but I, I don't want it right now. My only point with that is this. We don't want to, when these guys are out preaching the whole Bible, we don't want to be cafeteria Christians. You know what a cafeteria Christian is? I like that, so I agree God said that. I really do not like that, so I don't think God said that. We're a small church, obviously, and I've been here almost 22 years, but 21 years ago, we were even smaller. This is mega church. So 21 years ago, a very smartly dressed woman, maybe in her 30s, came in, and, and, and people sized people up. I'm like, oh, I don't know if she can handle what I'm about to say. And I was in 1 Corinthians, and it was a headship passage that male headship and some other things, authority. And I thought, oh, no. Please, God, send people to the church to keep this little church alive. In walks the girl, um, a woman. And I'm thinking, there's no way if I say what I think this text says, she's ever coming back. There's no way. There was a little temptation that came to me as I was preaching. Just throw it. You don't have to. She'll come back. Just throw it. I read a book in seminary that said you don't want to be the guy that gets to the end of his life and you hear God say to you, you pleased everybody but me. Tell her the word. And I wasn't a screaming Mimi. I'm not a screaming Mimi anyways. And I said what the Bible says. And she looked at me and I knew, I knew, she knew, she knew, I knew. She's not coming back. Why? I just hit her cafeteria thing. You can't tell me that. I run the show. Actually, you don't run the show. God runs the show. So they're preaching the whole counsel of the word of God. We want, as Christians, as disciples, God, read the Ten Commandments. Read the Ten Commandments. First four deal with, depending how you number them, first four, our, our duty to God. And then from, uh, from the Fifth Commandment to Ten, our duty to man for God's sake. And then read them spiritually applied according to the uh, words of Christ in Matthew 5. Walk through them. Talks about our, our marriages, how we do marriage, our, our kiddos, our grandkiddos, how we do our grandkiddos, kingdoms, uh, wealth, health, wealth, everything. The Bible touches all areas of our life. Christians should be Bible Christians. They're out preaching the whole Bible. What would Christians be like? What would we be like if we believed what the Bible believed and we didn't believe what the Bible said don't believe? Are boys boys and girls girls? I am sorry. Do boys marry girls, hopefully, later, 18 to whatever, and girls hopefully marry boys 18 to later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be 59 in a month. I used to think that was old hat. I'm considered a loon for saying that. That's what the Bible says. That, what, would, what would we be like? Marriage. Like, I swear to God, till life, till death, till, I swear to God. It's like the mafia. You can't get out of it unless you die. I swear to God. Imagine if we did Bible. What would our churches be like? If the, if the Bible, and I'm not picking on anybody, but imagine if the Bible, what would our poor country? Our poor country, we're like Sodom and Gomorrah. What would happen if the Bible was the standard for our country? Uh, anyways, so they're all preaching the Bible. The Bible contains two main subjects, law, gospel. Ten Commandments are law, it's not gospel. And the main thing that these preachers are preaching from the word of God is Christ, is gospel. So if you go to a church 
And they're not talking about Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners, the sanctifiers of those who have been saved in him. If you're not talking about the cross, the blood, Jesus, you're in the wrong place. Could I preach other things from the Bible? Yes, but the main function of the minister of Jesus is to tell sinners about Jesus and to tell sinners who have found Jesus more about Jesus. Because he's the wonderful, his name shall be called Wonderful. He, he, there is a group of people in Pensacola. I moved here 22 years ago. And they come out on Fridays and Saturdays. I'm not going to pick on them, but I'll just tell you. They have signs. Basically, you're going to hell signs. And the sign that says, hi, you're going to hell, have a nice day. Something like that. With a Bible text. If there's a Bible text, I agree with the Bible text. Because I don't ever disagree with the Bible. It's law. It's law. And my wife saw me looking I and one kid. I was getting ready to get supplements at the supplement shop. And I'm looking at him. She said, don't do it. I'm like, oh, I'm going over to talk to this kid. I want to say, brother, brother, brother. I agree with that. That's law. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23, 26. Yes, I agree with that. Tell me the good news. Tell me the free offer of God is eternal life in Christ. Tell me the good news. The Bible's not about how you're a sinner, you're going to hell. It's not that. The Bible's Genesis 3.15, but God has made a way in Christ. They're out there telling people about Jesus and telling sinners about Jesus because those are the only kind of people you can tell anything to anyone anyways. Paul says this, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech so that the cross of Christ would not be made void, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. There are people in my family I love dearly, and one is a quasi Buddhist, and I shared the gospel. And she said, well, John, I, you're always saying good news, but you just told me about sin and holy God and judgment and hell. This doesn't sound like good news to me. I said, well, Catherine, the good news is to answer the bad news. The bad news is that we're guilty sinners, we're criminals. The good news is Christ is our holy brother that says, I'll pay the, the, bad, the debt. And we, we turn to him and say, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They're busy preaching that. Again, not to go too far afield. Biblical Christianity is biblical and it's Christ-centric. And I would say this, it's cross-centric. And it's the Christ, and I don't want to get anybody upset, it's the Christ of the Bible. There are lots of false Christs. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse, beware of false preachers that preach a false Christ. And false Christ say something like this, oh no, don't listen to sin. No, there's no such thing as sin. Don't listen to it. Holiness, no. Blood, sacrifice, no, no, no. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. You read the Bible for yourself. Jesus was on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, he is cursed for our sins so that we can receive the remission of our sins. Lots of false Christs. Beloved, this life is real short. Um, I've been here for a while. I have officiated at, I don't know, 30, 36, 37 funerals. And they range from a two-day-old baby girl to a 103-year-old um, saint and everywhere in between. Beloved, our life is a blip on a screen. I have no idea where, where we are. I have no idea. So when people think, well, that's interesting, you know, yeah, a little... No, 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 no. 
we spend more time planning our vacation than making sure we believe in the biblical Christ. Does that make sense? I don't want anyone that comes to this ministry for more than an hour and a half to say, well, I don't know who the... It's Bible Christ. If someone comes to you with a Christ that's not according to the Bible, you reject it. The other thing generally we see, and I'm going to be way quick on five minutes, ten minutes, is that biblical Christianity is evangelical. I didn't grow up an evangelical Christian. I didn't grow up a Protestant. I didn't grow up a Bible believer, a Bible reader. Christianity in the Bible is evangelical. It's not a bad word. What it means is that it's, for, it's, it's good news for the whole world, for Jew and Gentile. We're not to discriminate. It goes everywhere. India, Africa, everywhere. Jesus, I read it when I baptized our sister and our brother. Go make disciples of the what? Nations. Teaching them everything. So if you have Christian family, and you're not a Christian, why, why do you always have to talk about Jesus and tell everybody, about, can you just shut up and have the turkey? No. We shouldn't be obnoxious. We have the words of eternal life. If I had the cure for cancer, and you had cancer, and I said nothing, what would you think of me? That I was a very bad human being. Right? Even Jesus says, give it away. Well, most people are going to kick me in the teeth. That's exactly right. Give it away. The Christianity of the Bible, look at what the guys are doing. They're in Jerusalem, Judea. They go to Samaria. Now they go to the ends of the earth. They're in Galatia telling them about Jesus. Next week they're going to be in Macedonia telling them about Jesus. Biblical Christianity is evangelical. Again, can we share the, 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 the gospel like a donkey? Yes. But we should share it in love. And I'm going to tell you, you could share it with 50 pounds of sugar for all the right reasons. You still may get kicked in the teeth. But we give it away. And the last thing I want to say, and I, no, you know, should I go there? No, I won't go there. I have a whole sermon on, on Timothy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say poor Timothy. I don't want to ruin poor Timothy in, the, in a minute and a half. I, I just want to say this. As we look at this business of... Um, Biblical Christianity being according to the Bible, being Christ-centered and evangelical. I I want you to think about um, Leah and Jacob's vow. Basically, they vowed what we all vow, that not only is Jesus Christ our Savior, He's our Lord. We're going to live for Him. We're going to live for Him. God calls us all variously in our various stations in life and gives us particular mums and dads and gifts and crosses and all that. Everything as a believer is to be devoted to the honor of Jesus Christ. Everything. If you're sick, you devote it to Christ. If you're healthy, you devote it to Christ. If you have kids, you devote them to Christ. Everything is devoted to Christ. Everything. Do you live your life according to the Bible? Or do you try? Is the Bible your guide as a Christian? And is Christ, is Christ the center of your life? Do you think about him? Do you love him? Do you pray to him? Do you sing to him? And, and, and when I talk about evangelism, people think, well, you mean like go to Burma, or go to UP India? Go, no, no, no. How many mothers and grandmothers here right now? Moms and dads, grandfathers, grandmothers. Those kids and those grandkids, where did Timothy learn about Jesus? from his mom, from his grandmother, 
there's your, there's your mission field. You got kids? There's your mission field. We have grandchildren. I have four grandsons. When they come over, my wife is chasing them around with a catechism, catechizing them all over the house while they're wrecking our house. They're catechizing. Who made you? God made me. Wreck, 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 wreck. <laughs> There's your field. So here's my question. As a Christian, at the end of our life, we're going to stand before God. There's only going to be two lines. We're either going to be in the sheep line on the right, or the goat line, which I hope no one in here is in the goat line. That's on the left. Matthew 25. And Jesus is going to say, you gave a cup of cold water to me. You said a kind word. You visited me when I was sick in prison. And the righteous believers are going to say, when did we do that? Every time you ministered to one of the brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Beloved, do you ever talk to any other human beings? Your kids, your grandkids, your neighbor, your uncle, your dad, your mom. Do you ever talk to them about Jesus? Do you ever? Do you ever talk to them about the Bible? Do you ever talk to them about the cross? You may not remember it. A day is coming when Jesus is going to look at the people that live for him according to the Bible. Well done. He, he, he knows. Not one thing we do for the glory of Jesus is forgotten by our Christ. Beloved, it's a wonderful faith. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. What a glorious Christ we serve. Amen? May God be pleased with the preaching of his word.